Welcome back to Thirsty the Podcast. All summer long, we've been revisiting past dates and relationships. It's been a lot of fun to reminisce, but I think we're also a little glad that our dating lives have calmed down. Well, there's a reason we call dating right after divorce the dark days. (laughs) Today, we're bringing back our very first episode ever titled The Six Kinds of Men You Meet on Tinder, published August 16th, 2021. This is the episode where it all began. I actually got a little tearful listening to it. We hope you enjoy this vintage dose of Thirsty, but then keep listening after the end for a brand new conversation. This is Second Chance Summer from Thirsty the Podcast. These days, we are all living 100 miles an hour. Love, family, friendship, career. Meanwhile, the to-do list and the grocery list, never mind the self-care list, just gets longer and longer. Until one day, it all comes to a screeching halt. Sometimes life throws us a big curveball and everything changes. This is Thirsty the Podcast. Because sometimes life leaves you wanting more. Hi, everyone. Our names are Laura and Heather, and we have known each other for a very long time. Yep, we actually met when we were planning our weddings at the same time, um, which is kind of ironic based on our things that we like to talk about as far as dating and divorce. Um, And we were writers together for a national wedding website. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now we are, uh, well, Laura has been divorced for a while. Um, I'm in the middle of a divorce. Um, Funnily, we did not really get close. And so we started connecting over our divorces, which is highly ironic. It's just the full circle of of life happening here. So, Um, and so my name is Laura. Um, In this kind of random lottery of life experiences, um, I am the more experienced part of our divorcee duo because I'm a little over three years into kind of this divorce and life after divorce journey. Um, My divorce was finalized a little over two years ago, and I'm very happy to be far removed now from the entire divorce process to be through all of that, which was very stressful, and to kind of be on the other side of things. Um, My dating life since divorce has had all kinds of highs and lows. I met a nice guy early on in my newly single life, and I dated him for almost two years. I learned a lot from that experience, and he was a great person. He just wasn't the person I was meant to end up with. So I chose to end a long relationship during the holidays in a pandemic lockdown, um, which was almost as scary as getting divorced, Um, but I knew it was important to be true to what I needed in my life. Um, I could probably do without all of the dating, swiping app culture that we have going on, but here I am back on the apps. Um, However, right now, I'm probably the happiest and healthiest version of myself, um, which has to count for something. I feel like I'm in a great place, and I'm really dateable, and I'm really happy with where I'm at in my life. Um, When I'm not dating or downloading a new convoluted dating app or talking about relationships, I work full-time in nonprofit fundraising. I have three rambunctious children and a very clingy puppy, And I spend far too much time decorating and rearranging my house and diligently avoiding folding laundry, always. This is Heather. I am just starting this whole divorce thing. Um, I'm about a year into it. It is not final yet. Uh, It's been a very heartbreaking experience. Divorce is, I think, very few people expect to be getting a divorce. I certainly did not um, think that that would happen, but it did. Nothing scandalous. It just 
came to an end at a certain point. Um, you know, it, it just didn't work out. And of course, COVID did not help. <laughs> uh, I've been dating for almost a year. I haven't made any commitments to anybody. You know, I make jokes that I've gone out with half of Cook County and a quarter of Kane County, which are Illinois, <laughs> Illinois <laughs> counties, if you're not good at geography. Um, you know, I've only been in a couple relationships, but never committed to anybody. Lots of coffee, lots of dinner dates, a whole lot of Zoom dates, which was a COVID dating thing. And I realized I kind of liked it. So I still try to do it. Um, you know, I'm a little bit at a crossroads in dating because I think before I was just getting out there and I really was not relationship material at all. I just really needed time to figure some things out. Um, and I still, I think I still have a while to go. Like I, I would, I'm not at all in the headspace about of partnering up or, or getting married again at this point. You know, I'm only a year in, so I'm still figuring all of those things out, but I am a lot healthier than I was a year ago. Um, and I've started to notice the men I'm going out with are better too. I'm just in a different place than I used to be. And I think I'm getting better at spotting the good ones, the actually good ones. I do creative for a living, stand-up comedy sometimes. I write, I direct video, photography, all kinds of those kinds of things. I grew up in Texas, which you might be able to hear a little bit in my voice, mixed with some Midwest, which, you know, is a little problematic at times. Um, I grew up in Texas, huge family, evangelical, um, but now I'm a liberal agnostic. Uh, so that's probably a whole other podcast right down that path. Uh, dating is definitely a lot more fun because Laura and I have each other's uh, backs in terms of WTF and GTFO when it comes mm -hmm. to some of the ridiculous dating situations that we have found ourselves in, which is why we have Thirsty going now. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> so today we're starting off with the six men that you meet on Tinder. Heather and I have started to notice that there are a lot of commonalities with kind of different character types of men that we've encountered or profiles that we see. There are a lot of commonalities happening and we thought it'd be fun to chat through some of those, those common men that we're seeing as we're swiping through the apps. Starting up, um, guy number one of the men that you meet on Tinder is the guy who is dating for attention and validation. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like everyone, including me. <laughs> yeah, I fall into that boat often. That's probably my biggest problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I try not to do that, but I think coming off of divorce, it's kind of unavoidable. But I will say almost every man I've met, whether they know it or not, like some openly say, I just need attention right now. I did have a few people say wow. that to me. I was like, okay. Bold, um, but it's maybe honest. You should have said that out loud. Oversharing. <laughs> Oversharing. Um, but yeah, I think that that's like almost everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. we run into that a whole lot. Like they're not actually connecting to you or getting to know you. It's more they like the feeling of dating. Yeah. I mean, you know, being out nice. with someone. It feels good. Yeah. Like there's a lot of things that do feel good about it, especially if you're coming from a not great situation. Feels pretty good to be getting some of that that attention through a random strangers on a dating app. There's pretty no stakes in the game and it just feels nice. And if you're not into them, then you just unmatch and move on so it'll <laughs> oh, like it never happen there. I mean I would never do that I don't you know that's obviously not me um but certainly really easy to do that in anonymous dating land so a lot of that happening out there 
All right, number two, traumatized by their last relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like so many people just through their profiles, you can already tell by the way they're saying, don't be like this, or I'm not in, like, there's a lot of language that is clearly guiding whatever happened in their last relationship. (laughs) So it's really easy to weed those out. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're probably better at than me, because I would say, I mean, it's pretty common, you know, at our age and stage in life, most people have been through some sort of major heartbreak they've been through a major relationship a lot of them are starting their second act when it comes to love um so everybody's got some emotional history that they're dealing with you know um so i've come to kind of expect it i mean i have it for sure um i mean how can you not when you're this you know for me it's it's all really fresh still Mm -hmm. but i feel like a lot of the men i meet are very traumatized by their last relationship and it did get annoying at times because it's like i am not doing that (laughs) <laughs> why why is this an issue like that that's not something i'm doing you are clearly just still ups, you know this last thing you're traumatized you're traumatized by your last relationship yeah but again they tend to bring it out pretty early on either early interactions or a first date so when they start bashing their ex on a first date then you know exactly where they're at no. and you do not need to see them again yep no no, they're that not ready. They maybe they're, Those are usually the ones that I would say, maybe they shouldn't be dating right now. Like, they're, this is not going to go anywhere good at <laughs> this particular moment yeah. in time. If, if you're still angry and talking about your ex and you're fighting through, like, a heated divorce battle, it's probably not a great time to be dating. So, yeah, time to, yeah. to no. take a pause. Number three, hiring managers interviewing for their next girlfriend or wife. Heather, I feel like you have thoughts on this one. I do because I feel like, you know, these are kind of in order of how many I encounter. (laughs) You know, it felt like so many of them were doing the attention and validation thing. Um, But yeah, so there were, uh, there's those men that just want to be in a relationship, any relationship. Like they maybe were married before or in a big relationship. They broke up. They dated around and now they're like ready to settle down, but they feel old and like they're running out of time. Like you can just see it. You can see it all in their eyes. See it in their eyes and like the smell of desperation. Um, And the thing that gets kind of annoying about it that I don't like is I feel like they just want to be in a relationship, any relationship. And they're just like Mm -hmm. checking to see – like they have boxes they want to check. Like do I check their boxes, which I hate that. Um, It's not really about me. It's like – I don't know. It's like based on totally external, superficial things. So that drives me nuts. Yeah. I feel like I noticed that too. If somebody wants to meet up really quickly after matching where we haven't really talked at all and I feel like they've looked at my pictures and I've responded to them. So I'm a human and that's kind of enough for them to go on to think that they would want to meet me or date me, which for me, I need like, I don't need a pen pal for weeks, but I need a little bit more than you know, where do you live? All right, let's go out. Like, I can't, I can't do that yeah. so quickly. Like, you need a little bit well, of warm I can up hear them. somewhere I can in the hear middle. Them being like, how far of a drive away are you? Like, I know, like, they're doing the Laura thing of, oh, so yeah. here's the thing. Laura has a, a thing. Laura and I are very different in the way that we date. Like, we're interested in different types of men. Like, basically in every way, I would say we're opposite, which it becomes, is very funny to me sometimes. 
Yeah, so I have um, geographical boundaries where I won't drive more than like 30 minutes to meet a man and I feel like to meet a date. And I feel like, Heather, you're like 30 minutes plus for whoever you end up dating. I've never dated anyone that lived less than 45 minutes away. And usually they're at least an hour. I dated someone that lived five hours away once, like had a relationship with him. Yeah, I'm hoping to meet someone who lives down the street from me. There's a really cute guy who walks his dog all the time in my neighborhood, and I'm trying to, like, meet up with him. He smiled at me before, and I'm like, well, this would be super convenient. You're down the street. We both have dogs, so I'm crossing my fingers for that one. He's probably married because I live in the suburbs, but that's a different story. (laughs) I just know that's what they're doing. Like, where do you live? And, like, I almost feel like I'm playing, like, a game of chicken. Like, let's find out how far away we live from each other. (laughs) It's very annoying. Yeah. I can't do that. Now, Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't encounter this as much as I used to because I think – I think during COVID somehow because, like, you couldn't – you couldn't and shouldn't meet in person unless it was something Mm -hmm. you were – someone you were actually interested in. And so men uh, had to learn to converse well. Or people had to learn to converse well. Like, you can't – you have to do better than you up, you know, in the middle of the Mm -hmm. night. Like, you have to actually, like, ask questions. Who are you? What do you care about? Like, you have to do that or you're not getting a date because the bar is just much higher at this point. Um, So, I don't feel like I hit this a lot. But sometimes it's just that guy that's like, hi. Hey. Hey, beautiful. You look pretty. Do not like Your pictures are cute. Yeah, I got a Hey Beautiful yesterday, and I'm like, I can't respond to Hey Beautiful. I'm sorry. It's not okay. Or somebody the other day who very quickly was just like, tell me something hot. And I'm like, that's not really a conversation. I don't know where to go with that. He also gave me his number right away, too. Like, I'm like, I can't do this right now. So... Yeah, I need some some good, again, I don't need a pen pal. I don't need to text you for three weeks every day, all day before I've met you. But like, I need to know that we can make actual conversation, that you can type things, that there are sentences involved, like very important. Just or that you have like any type of connection or chemistry or anything. Interest. It's like, like, wow, we're just two people that are attracted to each other. I don't know. Like, I just think that maybe that works when you're younger, but. Yeah, I want to know at least if I'm going to be, especially, again, we talk about COVID dating a lot, but it definitely has changed the culture of dating in so many ways. And, like, this winter in Chicago, if you were meeting somebody for a date, it was, like, one of three restaurants that had a sort of heated outdoor patio. So you were meeting them for dinner. Like, you were committing to at least an hour and a half. you had to. So you... You have to make sure that you can have a conversation with that person or it's real painful. So that texting is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because usually what I would do is say, let's go get coffee because I can do anything for an hour, right? So if it's terrible, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. It was an hour. I can live with that. But dinner is (laughs) – dinner, it's like at least an hour and a half, two hours at minimum. And you have to look cuter so Mm -hmm. it takes longer to get ready. I don't know. I don't know about that. It's a lot. So anyway, people, yeah. yeah, So if you agree to meet them in person, like you better be sure. Um, And for me, like I love COVID dating. I love like for almost anyone I met, like we did like two or three Zoom dates and talked on the phone, like very Mm -hmm. old fashioned. Yeah. No one wants a Zoom date anymore. Zoom dates are out of style, but I think they need to come back because it really lets me know if I should be leaving my house or not. Like I want to vet this a little bit. And I get like one night off a week. You know, and like, what if I like gamble it away on the wrong one? (laughs) 
All right, another one, another one that we deal with. Well, I, you know, I thought I was going to be the emotionally ridiculous one, but turns out there are a lot of men who are also dealing with major insecurity issues and are easily upset or hurt. Um, we made up a word for that, tenderonies. <laughs> I either just very tender, very, very tender. You know, like there was one person I remember that I matched with him and like, I'm, and like we hit it off, but I'm not kidding. We'd only been talking for like a half an hour and it was on text. We hadn't talked on the phone. Like we matched and talked for a half hour. That was it. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, well, I think we should meet. And I was like, well, uh, okay. And he said, I'll be right. I have to go run to the store, but I'll be right back. He ran. He, was, he didn't respond for a little while. And then he came back. He said, you know, you mentioned that you were uh, on Tinder and talking to other people. And I think for me, I only want to go out with someone if I know they're really actually just into me. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And he said, I just, I, I, I don't know that you're into me. And I wrote back, I said, well, I, I just met you a half hour ago. And I'm pretty sure I said the opposite of that, that yes, I'm talking to people, but that doesn't mean I'm dating any of them. And also I met you a half hour ago. This seems like an overreaction, respectfully. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> you know what's funny? I actually did go out with that guy. Oh, really? He apologized. He was like, Do you, yeah, oh. I know. I don't know. I, I was kind of dumb. I think I just was curious at that point. He was the furniture builder. He built furniture. Oh, he was cute. He was cute. We are not a match. But um, yeah. I just kind of wanted to see. Because he makes things. And I love to make things. So I was like, oh, this could be fun. But um, anyway, he was a total tenderoni. One of many that like, it's like the thing, if you don't text back. Like there are people that get really like riled up about the speed at which you text them back. And this isn't someone you've gone on a date with. Just like so you just weird. match with them on the app. There's nothing. Nothing there. I, we haven't even met in person, but I've had a fair number be like, they'll send me a text and I'll respond the next day or sometimes like just a few hours and, or I'll go back to respond and it hasn't been a long time and they've unmatched me <gasps> or other people don't unmatch me, but they'll be like, Hey, Hey, are you there? Well, good oh. talk. Like being, and I was like, well, now we're unmatching because you're clearly a child. Yeah. But it's um, so good that they don't have your phone number because then that's a whole other right. thing of blocking. Like if they're, ugh, gross. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give people my phone number either unless like I know I want to go out with them. That's it. Yeah. Even I'm not going to just like, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to have to block them. And also like, I feel like that's like an identifying piece of information that just doesn't need to be out there. Yeah. I'm almost leaning to the point of not giving it out until after we've got on a date and if I like them, because then I just have all these random text exchanges in my phone and I don't want to save their names because I probably don't want to see them again. And then it just feels awkward. It's like awkward phone stuff. I don't know. We can't do it. (laughs) It's like Tinder Chad, Bumble Mike. Awkward. All right, so number six, we've got the rarest, the rarest of Holy Grail matches. Like, it hardly ever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is someone who is real and genuine and emotionally available and being themselves. Mm-hmm. That's, like, almost never. Hard to find. Yep. Yeah, I would say I've so I've been dating the longest. So I would say in over three years, I think I've met – four of these, two of which I dated for a significant amount of time. 
four in three years is not like a lot. Um, <laughs> um, definitely, it's yeah, it's hard to find someone who is open to dating, who is in a good place mentally and emotionally and with their life and is open to dating. Hard to find. Yeah, I mean, I have also only met four, but something I notice is that, you know, I've been dating for about a year, and for the first maybe eight months, I didn't meet any. And then yeah. lately, I met, like, I, I haven't been dating much lately at all, to be honest. I slowed way down. Um, but I would say almost everyone I've met recently has been one of these. I met someone That's in great. April. We're now friends. Met someone in May. We're now friends. <laughs> And I met someone in July and it just didn't work out. He was very nice. Um, and then like someone I met a few weeks ago. But the, I think what I think is interesting about that is I think maybe I'm getting healthier. So I am attracted mm-hmm. to and attracting healthier people that are all the way here, which is kind of nice. There's hope. <laughs> yeah. They're out there. There's hard to find, but they're out there. Maybe your extended um, geographical search parameters are helping you compared to me. So I need to to widen my boundaries of dating, apparently. Yeah, go out to like yeah. 35 minutes. It's a whole new world. Um, all right. And then here's our bonus category. And it cannot be ignored because it's a big group, actually. Um, and that's mm-hmm. the married guys that are lying and the bots. Married and bots. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think we should explain so we all know what a married man is, obviously. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They're all over Tinder. They're masquerading as single available men who want to date you. Um, But the bots are a whole different category because the bots are usually super cute. They probably Mm -hmm. don't have much of a profile or there's a weird, it's a weird profile and it's got some typos and spacing issues. It doesn't look quite right, but you bypass that because the pictures are real cute. And then you match with this profile right away and it messages you right away and then you start to realize that a computer is sending these messages to you and if you ask the same question it will answer the same question over and over again um and you get real sad you get so sad yeah yeah it's it's very annoying i think i've gotten good at spotting them because sometimes the name changes like the the profile will show up and it's hudson and then it's kendrick the next time you see him oh yeah kendrick yeah, and they all work for the NSA. Yes, but they're all real cute. They're cute. <laughs> so, Heather, which would you prefer um, to match with married men or bots if you had to pick? What path? Um, it's rough. It's a tough choice. Bots. Yeah. Bots. Because sometimes the married ones, like, you don't know right away, and it's like, wow, you wasted my time. This was annoying. Mm-hmm. Whereas with yeah. bots, I think you it gets funny, and you can figure it out pretty much immediately. Yeah. You can have a really weird, odd conversation with a bot, so... Yeah, I'll go bot. All right. So of that list of the six men you meet on Tinder, um, on Tinder, obviously, we've noticed there are some similarities about ourselves in this list as well. Um, Heather, which one do you think you are? Um, I think there's always going to be a little bit of one and two. Dating mm-hmm. for attention, validation, feeling traumatized by life and love. I mean, I think those are always going to be in play. I am trying to get to being real and genuine. And I think I'm actually a lot better at that than I was even six months ago, three months ago. You know, at this point, I think I'm really good at bringing my whole self 
And I think that kind of helps. I don't know. Like it changes in terms of who I pick to date. Mm-hmm. It changes like how I see things. I think a lot of times I can spot the BS a lot faster now. Whereas before I was like, yeah, we just got to know each other. This is normal. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, you are not a healthy dude. I don't think we should date. And I like I spot it so much faster. And I'm so much better at letting it go and like yeah. saying no to that. What about you? Yeah, I think I sit pretty well in the real and genuine camp. Um, you know, I've had a almost two year relationship since my divorce that was a pretty healthy and good, re, you know, post divorce relationship. I feel pretty happy about all of that. Um, but I do have that hint of needing attention and validation from dating because it does, you know, that does feel nice. And sometimes that can get in the way of actually making a real connection because compliments are really nice and they can kind of trick you into thinking that somebody you want to date when um, it might not be the right person for you. So still trying to figure that one out. But I do think I generally connect well and come, you know, to anybody I'm talking to, I'm dating them for wanting to get to know them and going on the dates I want to go on rather than just going on a date to go on a date. So well, good. It's probably the way it should be. (laughs) I'm sure I'll get there one day. (laughs) Okay, so this was our very first episode ever and originally premiered August 16th, 2021. And we are now looking back at this episode as a part of Second Chance Summer with a brand new discussion. I actually teared up. Can you believe it? Listening to the intro and how different it used to be. Uh, it did remind me why we do this in the first place. I couldn't, I didn't expect to have that reaction, to be honest. I did like the music we used for the very first episode, I have to say. And then I also laughed remembering a phrase we coined that I forgot about, Tinderoni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely, you know, you could tell we didn't fully know what we were doing yet. Thirsty wasn't fully formed yet. There were, I mean, I'm still not great about thing um a lot but there were a lot of ums and stops and starts and we were definitely trying to figure things out (laughs) yeah I know well yeah there are so many things I was like wow we don't even worry about that anymore and I didn't even realize like how much things have changed but it was really fun to listen to I noticed one thing I noticed is that we talked a lot about being dateable we use that word a lot which I haven't heard that Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't said that in a while um what did you think when you heard that Well, I think we've just shifted so much that at that point in time, we kind of cared more about what a man thought and not what we thought. So that kind of idea of being dated was like, well, you know, what do they think about me? And like that, if we were still out there actively dating now, if if we were not in relationships and we were on the apps and all that, I think there would be such a shift. (laughs) Like that wouldn't even come out of our mouth. No, it'd be like, I wouldn't even think about that. Or I don't think about that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I laughed really hard. It's like, oh, I'm trying really hard to be dateable. Like what? (laughs) I'm my most dateable self right now. (laughs) I know. It's hilarious. Well, another piece of this little time capsule we had was that, you know, your life looks very different now than it did then because you were like early days divorce at that point. Um, How do you feel like listening back on that? It kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I I don't know if it showed up on the episode so much, but I just like remembered where I was at and I was barely functional back at that time. That was down in, that was before the vaccine, hardcore lockdown, 
And I was having so much trouble between the divorce and all the life changes. I was barely making it every day. And this podcast was actually a little bit of a a life raft to the outside world, you know, that we were all so cut (laughs) off from, especially in a really tough time. Listening to it, it made me really glad that I'm not back there anymore. Part of me like felt really sad for that person that I heard on the episode because I know that, you know, I was I was going through a lot back then. Getting a divorce is so hard. So anyone that's listening right now and you're in the early stages of it, oh my goodness, it is so hard and I get it. And it's normal that it feels so overwhelming for me, even though I know it was the right decision, I'm always going to be sad about it. And it did make me sad listening to it both for myself, feeling kind of sorry for myself, but I don't know. It's like respecting a moment in time where you're going through a big life change and learning so much all at once. It is also very true that life does get so much better and you do figure out what your new life will look like. You just have to go easy on yourself and take, take some time. Yeah. And I think this was also a good testament for, you know, again, like you mentioned, for those who are listening, who are in this stage, possibly like the, you know, the way that you get over things is going through them and having experiences, good and bad experiences. You do grow from that. You definitely have grown from all of that. I had already, I mean, I've grown a lot too, but I had already been through that initial stage well before thirsty was ever a thing. So I I'm glad I don't have to look back on how I was during that time. But I feel like it's so hard when you're going through these big changes where you can be more likely to shy away from having those experiences and putting yourself out there. But when you are ready to do that, like you do grow so much from it. I do have to say, I was like listening to the different categories. I know you and I don't really think this way anymore, but like now I think about it in my life as it is now, how it applies. I do have to say the category for attention and validation that never gets old. Like a drug. I mean, I feel like that is a top dating drug where you, it just feels good. You tend to not question it because you just, you get a little bit addicted to that feel good stuff, all the good morning texts and kind of the nonsense, but the things that if you're, especially if you're going through a tough time feels really great. Yeah. I mean, the further I get from that time, the more I see it, I see it so much more clearly now by looking back on it and the more it bothers me, you know, I think it's just like an indication for that superficial layer you're living in. And I think for me, part of it was because I had so many heavy things going on in my life. I was just like, glomming on and like, like a life raft grabbing like little funny moments that literally meant nothing, but they just gave me a little bit of a dopamine hit that made me feel better for like five seconds. And it really just showed the time of your life that you're in. And you just don't have anything to give at that time. It's all about what you can get. I don't know. I think during that time, you're just doing what you can to survive and try to keep yourself afloat. And you just don't have any more to give beyond that. Yeah. And I think also what you said is part of the process. It is a part of the process. It should not be your, your forever state. And I think it's important to really be able to recognize what is going on and that you don't make that behavior a forever situation for yourself. Because there definitely, I think, are people who do, who stay in that place. And that's probably a top reason why dating doesn't pan out for them because they never progress past that yeah. kind of superficial stage and you just end up in that hamster wheel of it. And it's like, well, why aren't things working out for me? It's like, well, because you need to eventually advance to more real connections and not just this superficial nonsense. Yeah. You have to get past that part. Like I always think about it's okay to move forward slowly, but you do need to be moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Need to grow. 
So we talked about being traumatized by your last relationship. How does that resonate with you? Do you think about that or does that come into play anymore? You know, I, I think I am still traumatized, but I am healing. I'm in a lot better place than I was a couple of years ago. I don't know if divorce is something that for me, I'm ever going to be totally over. I am still a little bit traumatized, uh, but life has gotten so, so much better. It really has. I did see a funny meme once about divorced women. They're hot. They're taking care of themselves, but they're like Chernobyl. You just need to leave them alone for a while. <laughs> and I think that's a little bit accurate. Like, just leave them alone. Let us get the radiation. You know, let, let's let it like leave our bodies a little bit so that we become a little bit more normal and less radioactive. I think I am still traumatized, but I, I think I've learned to manage it. I've processed a lot of it. I don't know if you ever get over it. I think I, I actually put a, a video on our socials the other day about grief after divorce because I got triggered because I was going through old photos, which was perhaps a mistake of my old life. And it made me sad. You know, and I think about block parties and I saw a family out to dinner that Saturday night all together being happy. And I was like, oh, life is not how I planned. And, I, and so I, even though I know divorce was the right decision and needed to happen, I don't know if the grief ever totally goes away. It really is. a. I never knew that that's what it was going to be after divorce. But there's these little pangs of grief for the life you planned that I think you feel at times. Yeah. And I think that's also whether you're divorced or not, that's also part of being an adult and you know what I mean like when you're younger you kind of envision what you think your life will be like but you have no way to anticipate what life will throw at you so maybe you're married and you've you know gone through financial troubles and a bankruptcy or you've had like you know there are so many different things that we can't anticipate and I think for anybody it's that ability to like understand it and acknowledge it and feel it and then you know figure out like we've talked about whatever that move forward looks like so that you can create a beautiful life even if it's not the one that you know you envisioned like I always tell my kids like you can feel the sad thing and you can feel the happy thing at the same time and it's okay and normal to feel those at the same time and I think that's a lot of what this is like I'm sad about the same thing that things don't look like I thought they would. Sometimes things are a lot harder than because of being divorced, but then I see how great my life is and I am so happy with it. And it's just those things constantly kind of dueling. Yeah. I feel like you get used to those contradictions. They're yeah. both true. Now I feel like the hiring manager category actually becomes more of an issue as you heal. I think that becomes more <laughs> and more prominent. What do you think? I feel like early on, you're more likely to hook up with the attention seeking men. And then as time goes on, the hiring manager thing becomes more of a thing. Yeah. I think early on, you don't recognize it. You don't know how to, to spot it because often those hiring managers are they're saying what you want to hear. And that sounds nice. Right. And you don't see that that's pretty flimsy, but at the time you're like, Oh, well, this is nice. Like they, they like me and they are asking questions about my life or whatever it is. And you don't realize that it's not progressing. Um, so I think it takes that experience to spot it. And I think once you learn it, you just know to avoid it. Like you can spot it immediately. And you're like, if this isn't growing in the right way, like I'm, you know, probably not, not here for this. Yeah. And I, I feel like too, the healthier you are, the more the hiring managers want you, but if you're healthy, you want a <laughs> real connection. So it's kind of a catch 22. Okay. All right. So this is our opportunity to add any other characters we want to the list. Heather, do you have any that you would add now? Yeah. Men who don't know how to date. 
I didn't know that was a thing back then because I didn't know how to mm-hmm. date. So I wouldn't have known. It was okay back then because I, you know, I had no idea, but it obviously wouldn't work for me now or it doesn't work for me now. I'm, Laura, Laura can attest, like when we say it wouldn't work for me now, we have proven, proven track record mm-hmm. of, you know, at times we've been through breakups and we've gone out and dated again and it's been true. It, it didn't work for me. Like if someone didn't know how to date or I could tell they weren't ready, like they seemed like a great guy, but they were not ready to date. I let it go. I might also do another category maybe about men who can't commit. I think that's another mm. category too. Yeah. Kind of in tandem to that, I have Peter Pans. I don't think I fully knew when I was early dating that there were all these Peter Pans running around Chicago trying to date. Um, But there are these men and very, you know, kind of typically have not been married, don't have children, like don't have any secure attachments. Often the ones I've run into, like they also haven't owned a home. Like they haven't had a lot of big experiences, which is fine. Like everybody's life journey is different but they don't have any of these big experiences and they also don't have great relationship skills. So they're kind of just in this land where they don't really want to grow up and have responsibilities and they don't know how to be a good partner or get to that place. Like they can't figure it out. So they're just like running around, not being so great to date. Yeah. And I'm going to build on that a second time. Men that are like 45, but they act like they're 25. Like I have a little bit of embarrassment on behalf mm-hmm. of men that are dating like 10 women and none of them know about it. You know, like I'm not talking about like honest and ethical dating of that many women at once, but like the men that we know that have just acted like they were 20 and just like, just like baby birds in the world of dating and have no idea what to do. And I almost have like secondhand embarrassment for them. Cause it's like, you are 45 and you're acting like a child. And yeah. again, cause I was acting like a child back then. I wouldn't have known, but to your point, people that get stuck there, there are people that get stuck there. They act like that for a long, 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 long time. And I think it's more likely for men to get stuck there than women. I've noticed that too. Like that's another category. Think they're 25 and they're just out there to get what they can get. And I will caveat to the Peter Pans. Like I have dated several men who were never married, no kids. I am currently dating a, a man who has never been married, has no kids, but like he's lived other places. He's owned a home. He's lived with somebody. He like, there are other experiences that kind of anchor him to the world. He's re- responsible in a variety of ways. Um, but again, I think I've gone out on so many dates in the past with men who just, they have no connection to anything. And then they feed into that kind of dating, like a 25 year old, like the bar scene is their life. They are partying all the time because they have no responsibilities, but it's like too, it's too much. Like, no, we're a little bit older. Yeah. After age a little bit. Now I feel like something else that really stood out to me, like very prominently, I feel like you and I used to be really, really focused. We were almost like scientific about a formula for a good date. I'm going to try single men. I'm going to try men with kids, men who live close, men who live far. Where are you uh, Mm -hmm. with that now? I mean, I do understand where I was at with it because I think there's like this Cinderella thing of like, which shoe will fit? Like, (laughs) let me see. And I think, I think for both of us, it came from the perspective of wanting to be open to, you know, connections and people from different backgrounds or different situations, but it then just became too prescribed. Um, So, I mean, clearly in my life now, my formula, like, Blew out the window last year because I went from wanting to date someone five minutes from me to dating someone who lives in a different state. So I 
I've opened myself up to a lot more than where I was at. And I'm so grateful for that because I never could have imagined like where I would be at now. Like this is not what I had anticipated and it's been the best thing. And I think having that openness to different people, different backgrounds, different geographic locations, whatever, what have you, um, you know, it helps you grow and learn, um, you know, what, where your connections are. Yeah. And it felt like too, that was really an indication of, we had a lot to learn. And I I think it was really you and I getting out there and trying things and be like, well, how do I feel about this? How do I feel about that? Because we didn't Mm -hmm. know. We didn't know. So I think that was a big indication of that. I also think it was partially us not trusting ourselves. Like now I don't think I would think really the only thing I think about now is the connection. Am I attracted? And first and foremost, are you a good person that I admire and respect? That is my number one thing. Now the other stuff is you can figure it out. If those things are in place, the table stakes are in place. Everything else can be figured out. And I think as we've grown, we've gotten a lot more comfortable finding the relationships that are right for us and being confident in our choices and not based on a formula. Well, there's also a piece of like being more present in the moment. And I think how, and I think this is really, really common too with app dating that you match with someone and then it's this immediate, okay, where do they live? Is this going to work? And you're already trying to figure out, is this going to pass or fail before you even understood if you even like this person because you're like running the logistics in your head and looking two years or this maybe this is just how I am but like you're looking two years down the road like could we ever live together well like do I want to have dinner with this person like figure out those pieces and I think when you're able to be more present in the moment of what you just said like did you am I interested in this person am I attracted to them are they a good person like figuring out the initial pieces you're not so concerned about where you're going to be living two years in the future. And if it'll be with this person that you're just focused on growing that connection. And that leads you more open to, I think, different types of connections. Yeah. How do you feel like you've grown since this conversation? I mean, I think I'm definitely just so much more open. I've learned so much about myself and I think learning how to be a little bit more open helped me understand that like you don't compromise what's important to you or being in situations that don't work for you, but you allow yourself to like, like we just talked about, like be more comfortable with understanding what works best for you. And I don't think I was comfortable two years ago. I mean, it's two years ago. It was a long time when we recorded this. Like I, I didn't understand all of those things at that point in time. Yeah. I think my big takeaway is you attract where you're at. I noticed that was a pattern along the whole thing. I know I did not start attracting real connections until I was reasonably healthy, at least like a little more healthy than, you know, flat on the floor comatose. Because I think I thought I was ready to date way earlier than I actually Mm -hmm. was. I have learned so much. I have so much more to learn, but I'm really proud of us for working so hard on ourselves to learn our lessons. And, you know, we're still learning our lessons as of this minute, as of today, but I am, I'm proud of us. I think we, you, I think you can see the growth. You can see that like, like I remember where we were at back then. I think we're both so much happier and peaceful now we have gotten ourselves into really loving and real relationships, which, oh, I'm going to get tearful. A couple years ago, I don't know that you and I even felt like that was even remotely possible. We did both find real love. I'm going to get all crying. We did both find real love in a way that's healthy and stable and makes us feel good every day, makes us better people. 
I'm thankful for our friendship. I think we've really pushed each other to grow over the two years. And I don't know if I would have been here without you. I don't know. It, it was actually kind of a big deal to me listening to this episode. I was like, oh, that was so it was not that long ago. And yet it feels years away. Well, I think also an important point, like you and I aren't happy now because we're in great relationships. Like the men aren't the reason like we, I feel like worked really hard on being very happy with ourselves. Yeah. And like you said, you attract where you're at. I think we both got to a point where like we were in a position to attract great people into our lives because we were happy and fulfilled in other ways and out of all of this like kind of nonsense times. And I think when you can get to that point, you can get to the point of, you know, finding a really great, fulfilling, wonderful relationship. But with or without either one of our relationships, we would still be happy and very fulfilled. Yeah, no, that's that's a really important thing to like think about. It's not like, oh, I have a boyfriend. So my life is great now. Check, check. Like my life was really great before my boyfriend was in my life, but he, you know, we, you know, bring a lot for, you know, to each other's lives and that just makes things better. But it, it was great before that. Oh yeah. I think that's a really important point to make. I think it's just when you're going through those through those dark days, divorce times, you really question what's going to happen and what your future is going to look like. And I don't think I can't even envision it. No, you can't even envision it. I think that's after any breakup. I feel like that's such like a, a big reaction that you have when a relationship ends. Well, how could I ever see myself with someone else? And especially after a marriage, like what could my life even look like? You know, you, you can't even see it, right? Because you haven't gotten to that point. And I think, Um, when you're ready, like it will all make sense. All right. Well, I think that's our time for today. And it is the end officially of second chance summer. This is just an idea we had one day and we're like, "Hmm, that might be kind of fun. So we did it and it's been unexpectedly uh, kind of fun to do and listen to. Have you, uh, as you've listened, like, I know we've been making fun of ourselves a lot, but what has been your real reaction uh, listening to all of these stories? surprised by how I am not embarrassed by re-listening to all of it. And some of it's a little cringy, like, you know, and some of these things, again, I'm like, what was I even doing in that situation? But like, I really haven't felt embarrassed at all. I'm glad that we put it all out there. Um, And I think in part, like I know, speaking for myself, I don't even recognize that person anymore. So like in a good way. So it's just like kind of like a fun little peek into how I was a year or two ago. Um, I don't know. It's just been kind of, it's been really entertaining. I know. Well, I think it's good to not be embarrassed. Cause like, even like when things are messy or you're screwing up, like why have shame about it? Why be embarrassed about it? It's where you're at. You're doing the best you can with what you know at the time. Getting embarrassed is just a waste of time. Have your experiences, learn what you need to, and keep moving forward. So I think that's really, I think that's great that you're making that point. Maybe we don't need to be embarrassed about all the mistakes or the funny choices we make in our life. Yeah, it's all the real stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I will say we are so excited because we have a big announcement today. We are finally announcing that season four of Thirsty, we've been working on this all summer, so I'm so excited we can finally talk publicly about it. Season four of Thirsty will premiere October 2nd. So in about a month after this one airs, we have put together 12 episodes around a theme. We really elevated this year. We've got a theme that we think Thirsty listeners will really be excited about. It's called Fresh Eyes. And the whole season, we are bringing in stories and perspectives to challenge all of our programming and pushing all of us to think differently about the world 
Laura, I know we've been working on all these episodes. We've actually already started recording. Which episode are you most excited for? No, I mean, I think we're going to have just some really interesting conversations that are so diverse, so different from what we've had on the show before. Um, I think it's all going to be great. I know that's like a cop out when someone asks you, which like when your kids are like, which one of us is your favorite? And I'm like, I love you all the same. But I do think that each episode is so very, very different and interesting and thought provoking that it's really hard to like hone in on a, a favorite. All right. And we could share a little teaser as far as what um, those episodes are going to look like. So some of the guests that we do have on deck, we've got Gabrielle Stone. And um, she is talking about cheating and second marriages, which um, I think is a great topic. And Heather, you and I can't talk about second marriages because we haven't done it. So <laughs> great to bring someone on who has has made that leap. Um, we have Vanessa and Xander Marin talking about reclaiming your sexuality after divorce. We have microdosing with moms on mushrooms. Daphne Poiser um, is coming on to talk about her matchmaking company that she started that is specifically designed for Black and LGBTQ plus clients. Um, we're also talking about addiction in relationships, and we are talking about polyamory with Dedeker Winston. I mean, I am amazed at the season we have planned. So Laura and I really went in, we brainstormed and strategized, like, what's a point of view that we could really bring to life across the season that would push us and challenge all of us? And then we sent out a million emails to our dream list of guests, and a lot of them said yes, which I cannot even believe. I am so excited for everyone to hear it. Um, I'm really excited to push the bounds because I think Laura and I have been really feeling like we want to widen the perspective. There's all kinds of love. There are all kinds of life out there that we really want to bring together and in richness and color. And so I'm so excited about that. I'll be happy for all of y'all to hear it. I think it's going to be a really great season. And that's our time for today. So we'll be back with Fresh Eyes starting on October 2nd. So listeners, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss the new episodes. And don't forget to share, rate, and review us. Those are easy, free ways to support the show. Have a great September, and we'll be back here talking to you soon. See y'all later. Bye.